to the book of Matthew. Praise God. Matthew. And uh, again, thank you for your prayers. A little overwhelmed right now. I'm going to do my best to just get it together and and uh, preach the word this morning. God bless you for your prayers. Amen. Matthew 11, very familiar portion of scripture, but something I want to do because kind of not only focus in on a portion of it, but uh, hallelujah, I believe God's going to help us and as we look at uh, just the context of this scripture. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for Lord, not only what you have done, but what you will do. And God, we are excited today, full of hope, knowing that you have been working in such special ways, God, and just bringing us into a place, God, where where you can work in a, in a greater measure. And God, I'm asking you just help us today. You know who needs us the most, God. I pray that you just help me to deliver it faithfully. Help me, Lord. I pray to just stay out of your way. And God, just feed us, nourish us with your word today. We love you so much. We thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus says, come unto me. It's all about him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Sometimes that's how we feel, isn't it? Even coming to church, sometimes that's uh, we carry some things with us. But Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek, humble, amen, lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest for your, unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God bless you. You can be seated. It's always important, as I began to say, that we look at the context of Scripture. It uh, can be a real problem sometimes. There's a lot of things. Uh, uh, I've heard some amazing sermons. I mean, I'll just tell you, these people knew how to put together some Bible verses. But, you know, at the end of the day, I could say, Wow. They, they really know how to, how to preach, and, and that was a really great thought. Not really what they were saying in the Bible, mind you, but wow, wasn't that something? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of sarcasm there, but it's important for us to really, you know, you can take anybody's words out of context. And sometimes, usually, that's used for selfish purposes, usually to, to tear somebody down or, or maybe cast them in a, in a worse light than what they were intending, really. But sometimes we take the Bible and uh, we'll use things, and, and sadly, sometimes it's being misused. Um, not so much maybe with this scripture, but I do think we can see so much more richness in it if we look at the context of what was actually happening when Jesus said these words, this is pretty interesting, I think, because it's really coming off of uh, something that that really seemed like a, like a trial, like a I don't know if the word tragedy is quite what I'm looking for, but certainly a crisis. Because John, this great preacher that that said, "Look to the Lamb of God." The one that baptized him in Jesus in Jordan and, and, uh, just a, a great, great, uh, preacher and standing in his time preparing the way. He was prophesied in Isaiah to prepare the ways of the Messiah. 
to get the people of Israel who were children of God, children of the covenant, but they'd gone astray. Their religious ways had not really gotten down to a change of heart and had produced a self-righteousness. And John comes and begins to point them in the right direction of, of, of re- direction of repentance. Not a popular message, but a Bible message. To turn away from sin, to turn away from not only the, the sins of, uh, that are being committed in, in our day and in our culture, but the sins of self-righteousness. The sins of thinking that we can do this without God and, and trying to be something that God never intended us to be. John steps on the scene. He's not really, uh, a people person. He's not a, a man that's so much concerned about delivery and oratory. He just gets out there and says, hey, you need to repent. And he is bold enough to be able to point out and say, hey, you know what? Here's what repentance means. Soldiers, here's what you have to do. And he even looks at the, 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 the governmental leaders of that day and, and talks to them uh, about their sins and says, this is what it means to repent. Amen. To turn away from sin, to have a heart that is humble and broken and turns away from that and turns to God. But John was uh, put into prison for his messages. He was persecuted and now he's in prison and he is hearing what Jesus is doing in the, in the region, his ministry. And as I think I said to you recently, let me say it again, I can only imagine as he hears the stories and the news about Jesus and his disciples and the miracles that are happening, the signs and the wonders, the healing, the, the, the feeding of the, the, the multitude and all the great things that are happening. And here's John sitting in prison hearing about it. And I, I would only imagine that maybe... If it was my kind of uh, perspective and my idea, I would think that if Jesus was going to go and, and pick 12 followers, 12 disciples, I would think after a while, maybe John, this is just my feelings about it, maybe John would say, wouldn't I be the right choice for one of them? I mean, if there's going to be 12 all the time that I put in, you know, God... God's plans are so much different than what we could ever expect. He challenges us sometimes with what we think we ought to be doing and, and uh, to be able to say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you with your way. But that doesn't mean that even though I know in my mind and in my heart that, that God's ways are far above my ways, amen, that God's good, he loves me, he's taking care of me. But when I start feeling the pressure of my day, when I start feeling the, the heat of the battle, my battle, it's easy to see somebody else who's got a, a testimony of victory, a testimony of power. While I'm going through my battle and saying, you know what, I've, I've been praying that something like that would happen to me, but I haven't seen it yet. Hello? Sometimes uh, we can look at our situation and compare it to other situations, and it can, it can make us wonder. I, I, I kind of feel like maybe something like this was happening with John sitting in prison, hearing about miracles, hearing about signs, hearing about deliverance, hearing about healings, hearing about all these miracles, and, and uh, 
and another day in prison. And ultimately another day to his martyrdom. So uh, John asks the question. And you can't escape the importance of this question, the seriousness of this question. The man that stood there in his whole ministry was, was he's coming. He's going to come and, and we need to get ready for his coming. He's going to come and, and, and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He's the Lamb of God. And, and when he comes, he's, I, I know I'm not worthy to baptize you. I'm not, I've told everybody here, I'm not even worthy to, to unlatch your, your sandal. He says, suffer it to fulfill all righteousness, John. I want you to baptize me. And he takes him into the Jordan, baptizes him. He hears the voice out of heaven. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Sees the, this, uh, this sign of the Spirit of God coming down as a dove and lighting on him. And, and uh, he experiences all that. But now he's in prison. Now he's got questions. We, we're like that. That's why we need to keep looking back at some of the things. Remember what God did for you. Remember how God said, I'm with you. Remember, hold on to those milestones. Hold on to those miracles. Because you're going to need them sometimes in the dark hours to say, I remember what you said. But John is sitting there, and maybe, maybe we might even say battling depression, battling discouragement. And he goes and sends some of those that were visiting him and says, can you ask him one more time, is he the one? Or should we look for another? He's sitting in prison. So basically he's saying, did I, did I totally miss the boat? Did I totally just completely dedicate my life? And now, I've, now you know, the devil whisper in your ear and say, you fool. What are you doing? And if you're not careful, you get around the wrong kind of folks that will kind of Say the same thing that the devil's trying to put in your mind. You need to get around. Like John, go go talk to Jesus. He, he wanted to get around somebody that had some faith. Right. He wanted to get an answer right from him. So when you're feeling down, when you're feeling just don't isolate yourself. Right. Don't isolate yourself. Reach out. Reach out. That's when you need to reach out the most. And I'm, I know I'm like this, like maybe some of you, that when I'm feeling that, the last thing I want to do is reach out. Right. Amen. Right. But... But you're going to have to just tell yourself, listen, buddy, listen, don't be an idiot. You reach out and and, because this is what you need right now. You can't fight this battle alone. So they go to Jesus and said, John's asking questions about whether you are the one. He says, go back and tell him everything that you see and happen and tell him. The, the ministry, the, the healing, the everything that fulfilled the scriptures that he was counting on. And tell them, blessed are they that are not offended in me. No, don't stumble at this last hour. Don't stumble at the end, John. Hold on to, to what you know is right. So, I don't know, maybe the disciples at this time, they, they're scratching their heads kind of, you know, John asked that question. It's easy to be judgmental. It, it, you, don't, you can be, you know, old enough to just barely put a sentence together and be able to point a finger at somebody else. Uh, John, I don't know. I thought John was pretty awesome, but Jesus steps up and he says, let me tell you about John. Let me tell And he starts in the midst that he's paying his respects to John. He's paying his respects. He's saying, John, John was, was greatest of the prophets. He was a fulfillment of the, the old Testament 
office of prophet that pointed to Jesus and and starts talking about just how honoring him, honoring him. And then he points the finger. Then Jesus starts to point the finger at the real problem. He starts to talk about how shall I liken this generation? You can read it there in Matthew 11. He says, how, what would, how can I describe what's really going on in the spiritual climate, the spiritual culture of this day? And he said, you know, there's, it, it's easy to try to find the problem, but I'll tell you the problem. He said, you know, John, come, he said, it's, let me back up a little bit. He said, it's like children in the marketplace. The marketplace was kind of the, 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 the hub of activity in the, in the uh, community. It was not only where they bought and sold things, but it's also where the governmental affairs happened, decisions at city council and things like that. And he says, what, what, I'll tell you what this generation is like. It's like children in the marketplace. And some of those children looking around said, hey, what's going on? We play our pipes and play our instruments, but nobody wants to dance. Everybody stands around and just looks. And so then another time we come and we weep and we cry over all the problems and all. And nobody even comes by to cry. Everybody is so disinterested, unaffected, unmotivated. Sound familiar? (laughs) You know, when kind of what he was saying is if we try to have a happy time, everybody's saying, oh, don't you realize what time, time we're living in? Things are horrible. Things are terrible. We have a, we, we can't be happy at a time like this. That's silly. And then so we come back and say, oh, everything's going so wrong. And they're like, why are you so depressed? Don't you know the Bible tells us that a, a cheerful heart, you know, people can be like that sometimes. Right? And he says, that's really not the fault. John comes and he comes with his personality and his ministry. And people didn't follow him. People didn't respond to his ministry. Now, Jesus comes and he's more of a people person. He's found sitting down and having having dinner with people and loving people who are sinners, showing them kindness. And they find fault in that, too. What he's saying, he's pointing out that that it certainly wasn't a lack of the right kind of teaching or the right kind of leadership at that time. But it was a lack of response, a lack of the, the community, the the people to commit and, 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 and hear that and say, okay, I'm going to let you teach me and lead me. Or they were too busy criticizing, too busy writing reviews. <laughs> then really being able to say, what's, what do I need in this? Right. Say with me, we're getting to our, we're going to get back around, not only to our text, but to John. Then Jesus really brings it down. He talks about response and he said, guys, If Sodom and Gomorrah would have seen the kind of things that you have seen, they would have repented. Hello? Well, that's hitting them where it hurts. Oh, that was, they were just everybody's hot button, man. We're going to talk about how evil Sodom and Gomorrah was. He said, you know what? I'll tell you, if they would have seen the signs, wonders, and miracles that you all have seen and have been so unaffected, they would have repented. And he calls out the names of the cities that are like those children in the marketplace, unaffected. Sitting there just with their mind on other things, not really. But then he reaches out. Though the 
masses, really the majority of people were really just, well, we're going to read about it later in, in the book of Matthew 13th chapter, but their, their hearts were hard. Their ears were not able to hear. Listen to me. He reaches out to somebody. There's always a remnant. There's always somebody that says, I want it. I don't care what anybody else says. I want it. I know I need it. They might feel like they're doing good without it, but I know. And he looks out there and he just throws out that seed one more time and says, come unto me, all you that labor. Somebody there in the crowd, amongst all the unaffected, the disinterested, all those that were unmotivated, said, I feel this burden on me, and I'm looking for help. And he says, I'll tell you where the help is. Come unto me. All All you that labor and are heavy laden. Not just burdens, but can I tell you, sometimes I feel like he was talking to a people that understood Old Testament thinking. Like what Paul was saying in Romans, the seventh chapter, where it's where where I, I try to do right. I want to do good. I, I want to be better, but I've got the burden of my own inability. Amen? Amen. My inability to do better, my inability. I need help. I need, and Jesus comes and says, come to me. I'll rescue you. I'll give you what you need to be an overcomer. Amen. To be better, to be saved. Jesus has come to me, but I want to, I want to focus in on one of the phrases there. We focus in on the, and and rightfully so the ability of God to bring rest, the ability of God to bring that peace to our, our, our our hurting burdened lives our uh, the, the, the things that we have come from that, that have weighed us down and, and, and caused us to, to be broken. But I want to focus in. On just a few words, a phrase here, learn of me. Because when we come to Jesus, there is this amazing gift of salvation that we hopefully are very familiar with. We talk about turning away from sin in repentance, but we turn toward Jesus, that he is able. We come to him, that he can forgive, that he can save, that he can put our hearts back together. Right? The great plan of salvation, of repentance. And, and you see it after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, a lot more so, sadly, that we see in the Bible than we hear in a lot of pulpits. But not only did they turn to God, turning away from an old life, more than just a really just a, a, a prayer, a sinner's prayer, but a, a real turning to God in, in faith and also turning away from some things. He told them in Acts, the second chapter, the very first message that was ever preached after the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus and something the thief on the cross never even heard. Really, that Jesus rose again, that he's alive and he's ascended into heaven. Peter looks at the crowd that day that was mocking and saying, these guys are drunk. And he says, repent of your sins. We're going to bury that old life. Amen. We're going to baptize, bury it in water in the name, the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Peter heard what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19. He heard in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. And he said, I know that name. That name, he said it in singular. He didn't say their names. And Father's not a name, but he baptized them in the name of Jesus Christ, he said. And he said, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. His promises unto you, to your children, to all that are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Amen. Amen. But let me tell you something about me and you. 
We come to God and God miraculously saves us. We are everything Jesus said, born again, born of the water and of the spirit, it says. So good. But there's so much more still that day that we are born again and we're every bit a child of God. That's not the end. It's just the beginning. There is still that call, learn of me. There is a need. See, when I come to God and God did some amazing things that first day that he washed me, he cleansed me, he filled me. Some things were done that day. Some things he just took from me. Some things I I can't tell you that, that, wow, I gave this up and I stopped that. No, he did that in me. I feel like a fool to act like I did something. But listen to me there. I still had so many years of messed up thinking. Messed up believing. Amen. Things I believed about God. Things I believed about me. Things I believed about what God thought about me. Things that I believed about the world. Some of those things were, were just things that I picked up along the way. Some of it might have even been, in some of us, some, some really bad representatives of Jesus. Bad preaching. Bad teaching. You know how many times in my life and in other people that I've ministered to, oh, I know, uh, I'm just worried about because I know the Bible says this. Where does it say that? Oh, I know it's in there. Really? Can you show me where it is? Can you show me where God said that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, you heard, oh, I heard it all my life. Sure you did. But let's go to see what God really thinks about you. Amen. Well, I know I saw it. I've heard people as funny as this sounds. Oh, I saw this movie one time. I heard a guy telling me about prophecy because he saw Raiders of the Lost Ark. (laughs) I'm telling you the power's in that box and Indiana Jones has to find it one of these days. People get some ideas from the culture, and and, and I, I just saw something of uh, somebody who has been one of the writers of a more recent uh, kind of reenactment of the life of Jesus. They were saying, we like, a lot of the stories about Jesus just fall short. You don't really get a lot out of it. But when we do it, we show the weakness of Jesus. We, know the short, we show the shortcomings of Jesus. It makes it a lot more interesting than the other things you've heard. I don't know. I heard from the Bible. I'm not sure how many shortcomings he had, according to the Bible. (laughs) Amen. So, you know, you can get mixed up ideas about Jesus. You get mixed up ideas from preachers. Sure, bad examples. Jesus says, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. He says, learn of me. Learn of me. We have so much thinking, so many Beliefs, it needs to be replaced by, can I say it, this kingdom thinking, his kingdom, by the right kind of believing, believing the truth, believe the Bible says the truth, this is exciting, will make you free. The truth will make you free. See, God's truth isn't going to bind you. It's going to liberate you. It's going to make you free. We need to. We need to be born again, but we need to sign up. Can I say it this way? Commit ourselves to being a disciple, a student that learns of him. So many people miss that. We're so interested in saying, here's how many commitments to Christ. Here's how many. And that is exciting. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to take anything away from people being born again. But are you willing to say, you know what? I'm going to follow you. I'm going to take up a cross and become a disciple. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 28, teaching them. 
making disciples. Teach them. Make them, make them, that, that word disciple isn't just the 12. It's us following him, learning of him, learning of him. Just committing ourselves. God, I want to know more. I want to be more. I want, I want to, you to take away this broken ideas that I have in me and fill me with your truth that, that will make me free. We need to keep learning after this birth. Matthew 13, we talked about it. I just have uh, just three points here. I want to talk about different ways we learn of him. Matthew 13. This is right after that great parable of the sower. And uh, before we read this, I want to I want to say I, I remember so much, you know, sometimes as a child, you have really good teachers that will kind of put little things into your mind and, and you'll remember it for the rest of your life. Just different ways that you can remember things. And, and uh, I remember going to vacation Bible school one time um, somewhere in this church in the community. And I remember, uh, I'm sure to the day I die, this, this uh, oh, well, he was the teacher there. What position he held in that church i have no idea but he was talking to we were the theme of this vacation bible school was the the parable of the sower and uh he talked about the parables of the bible and why jesus spoke in parables and his lesson that day was and he repeated it every single day of that week in vacation bible school he said that uh parables were earthly stories with a heavenly meaning and he illustrated his stories how awesome was it that he would just take these earthly stories so that he could bring these to life and help you understand in a greater way and then you read what jesus said when they said why do you speak in parables and you say wow there's one of those really great thoughts that is completely not in the bible because when they came the disciples came in verse 10 of matthew 13 said unto him, why speakest thou unto them in parables did he say I'm trying to illustrate points to make it more clear that everyone can understand these heavenly truths that I'm laying down. Uh-uh. He answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but not, but to them it's not given. What? I was talking to somebody just, uh, yesterday about this scripture and, and they kind of looked a little ticked off. You know, why would he do something like that? This is given to people who, why was it given to them? Why were they special? Because they were digging in a little bit more. He said, I'm not giving you something that's going to be like a comic book. I'm giving you something that you're going to have to think about it and dig in a little bit more. This is not for the casual person that's looking to feel good about themselves and leave saying, wow, I went to church. I heard Jesus preach. I feel pretty special. Amen. Amen. For whosoever hath to him but shall be given and shall have more in abundance. But whoso hath not from him shall be taken even that he hath. Wow. Therefore speak to them, I to them in parables, because they, they, seeing, see not, and hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. God spoke this to Isaiah in the sixth chapter of Isaiah, which saith, by hearing ye shall hear and not understand, and seeing ye shall see and not perceive for this people. Here's the reason. Before you think Jesus is somehow unfair and trying to trip people up, absolutely not. But he says, this people's heart is wax gross. Their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes, they have closed. 
It's not for those that are trying to look for self-justification and self-righteousness and try to feel good about themselves. It's for people that really want to learn what it means to be a follower of Christ. It's for people that really want a change in their life. It's not about a religious experience. It's about a new birth, a transformation. And for all those that are willing to just kind of get their toes in it and, and, and not really dive in, it's not really for them. Until you're ready to really submit, surrender your life to him. He says they've closed their eyes. You know, here's one of those things people have heard all their lives. How many different preachers have you heard it's going to take some childlike faith? Childlike faith. I... I even this morning, I've looked at it. I've already preached this before, and I'm not going to come here ill-prepared. But I thought, you know what? Maybe, just maybe something I've missed. Maybe Google will know. <laughs> the all-knowing Google. <laughs> Where in the Bible, oh, great Google, yeah. <laughs> is childlike faith? Right. And you know the first entry is, the Bible never talks about childlike faith. What? Yeah. <laughs> It does talk about humbling yourself like a child yeah, that's that you may be converted. Yeah. When they said, who's the greatest, he brings this child and he says, except you humble yourself that's like this child. Yeah. Now, if you want to somehow connect faith in there, God bless you. It's okay. It probably, you could probably connect the dots. But listen, he doesn't talk about the faith of this child. He talks about the humility of this child. And what specifically is humble about a child is it's it. A child needs to be taught and everybody knows that, including the child, hopefully. Right. Amen. Amen. But if you're going to be anything in the kingdom of God, you have to be humble enough to be converted, to be able to be say, I need a change. Right. Say it's so hard for me after I've learned to unlearn something. That is the challenge for us all, isn't it? To be able to come to the word of God, to be able to come to the teaching of the word of God, say, okay, I'm, I, I want to sign up. I want to be a scholar. I want to be a disciple, rather. I want to I learn of him. Well, you're going to have to unlearn some things. You're going to have to be That's going. Pride keeps us from learning. Pride keeps us from saying, okay, we can be just like those of that generation, like those children in the marketplace. You know what? I don't know what he said, but I just didn't like the way he he keeps walking back and forth or how he holds the microphone or that. Hello? (laughs) Just something about his tone of voice, something the way he he just looks. And and I I just feel, well, you got to humble yourself and get past some things, don't you? You got to humble yourself so that you can be taught. Pride keeps us from learning. We like so much. Let's be honest with ourselves. We like being right about things. We like winning arguments, whether we're right or not, sometimes. Sadly, for some people. Uh, Don't brag about it. I've heard folks brag already. I'll tell you, you'll never get one up on me. I'll be right no matter what. Ooh, that's a bad trait. I'll talk you down and I'll be right no matter what. You know, you need to humble yourself because somebody might be able to teach you one day. Amen. We hate being corrected because of pride. The Bible talks in in Proverbs about a wise man and how valuable wisdom is. And a wise man hears reproof, correction. A wise man will hear it and be wiser still. A wise man can be taught. 
Amen. It's not a wise man. You got, you're in a dangerous position if you've got to be the smartest guy in the room all the time. Amen. Preachers need to hear that. I need to hear that. I was, that's what I was sharing with this gentleman. I was saying, you know what? I don't ever want to get in a place where I don't think you might have something that can be of value to me. That's too proud for me. That's to feel like, oh, I've got somewhere where nobody can tell me or teach me. Oh, no, no, no. How foolish is that? Sometimes it's a child. Amen. That has what you need. Sometimes God will work in so many different ways and you say, well, they don't have anything to offer. No, watch yourself. Yes, sir. Take a trip to, to Jesus and learn of him. He said, I'm meek, yes, lowly of heart. Amen. Yes. Philippians, the third chapter, Philippians three. When we approach the word of God, when we approach it, whether it's being preached to us or we're studying the word of God, we need to be humble enough to, to learn and to grow and yes. And realize, hey, there's some things. It's that, that mirror of the word of God, the perfect law of liberty that can show us. Oh, he's talking about me. Oh, that scripture is all about me. It's easier. I have scripture. I, was, I wish I would have brought it with me this morning. It's just come to my mind. I read it a few days ago about one of the cities in the Old Testament and talked about, you know, they, they needed, they, they were getting ready to be, receive judgment from God. But rather than repent, they defend, they've built up their defense cities. Right. Isn't that what people do sometimes? Rather than just humble themselves and say, okay, I have a lot to learn. Let's start, let's, let's find out what I need to learn. They just get more and more defensive. They build up the walls. Right. They build up their, their, their towers, you know, okay. Okay, you want to try to teach me? You want to try to choke me? I'm, hey, let me tell you something. I've been in this. Ha- How long? And you still don't have a humble heart to be taught? That's what's great in the kingdom of God. Look what it says in Philippians 3. Philippians 3, verse 17. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk also as you have us for an example. Being humble and realizing you need people in your life. Yes, iron sharpens iron. That's, right. That's what the Bible says. Yes, and just life in general has a way of dulling us. Right. I don't get tired of getting in the word of God again and answering a question again and again. Because it's going to help sharpen me as well. I'm getting blessed from that. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you here today, maybe you've just started out. Maybe you don't feel like you know a whole lot and you have a lot to learn. I tell you here today, if you'll put your heart into serving God and, and, and applying yourself, you'll be more of a blessing than you'll ever realize. Any Christian, any church that is treating people like all you have to offer is to get and not to give, they need help even though they're not willing to admit they need help. We, we need to keep our eyes open. You know, the reason it's hard for you to love people and really be minister to people is sometimes you don't look at them like they have any value, but they have life experiences that may challenge you. Say, well, they're all messed up in their theology. Well, God's going to lead them in all truth, but they might have some life experience that might make you look at yourself and say, Ooh, Maybe I need to go pray. Amen. That will happen. And you'll be better for it. 
If you look at your the, your neighborhood and the people around you and and just see them as as somebody that that has nothing to offer, no value at all, that's where you need to start with being a better witness. Amen. Because hallelujah, the people people of all every part of the body has something to offer. Amen. And we need to recognize that. We need to recognize the value of that. God puts examples. And no one of us, not not your pastor, not 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 anybody in any position might has has it all. We're all growing. We're all in this process of learning. And sometimes you might even be or I might even be in a place like John that. It looks like that's his strength. It look if John, if you say what what is his strength? I would say, you know, he he pointed out Jesus. He knew exactly that's what his 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 mission in life to point him out and boy, he did it well. And that's just exactly where he got hit. Sometimes that happens. Be careful you don't just abandon ship and and start, you know, being judgmental and overly critical about people that like John, maybe right. it doesn't have to be just what shipwrecks them, what destroys them. It might be just, well, we're going to find this out here because we're going to get back to John here. If we turn to second Corinthians, second Corinthians four, because tough times sometimes are the teacher. Yeah. Let me say it again. I said tough times sometimes are the teacher. Right. Yep. The spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness. The Spirit of God sometimes leads us. And sadly, I've been there, and I know some of you have been there, when you're going through your toughest times. It's instead of Christians binding together and gathering around you to strengthen you. Now, you have a responsibility not to run and isolate yourself. But also sometimes Christians fail, and that's their time to feel good about themselves. Look at them struggling. Look at them. I thought they were stronger than that. You're supposed to be a Christian. You're supposed to be strong. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard somebody say about the church. You're supposed to know better. Those children, they should know better. God help us when we don't realize that's who we're here to help. That's what the church is about, helping people that are struggling. And sometimes, just sometimes, maybe you ought to know better. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 4. Verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, it, it's just, trust me, I, I, it's hard for me to just keep on reading when you recognize Paul's writing this from a, a prison. <laughs> Paul is a prisoner of Christ. He's been beaten. He's been just forsaken by a lot of Christians even. And he's saying our light affliction is just for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> it works a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Right. Who? While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal, but things which are not seen are eternal. Paul said, I'm looking at something that's far outweighing my bad day, my bad experience, my trial. I'm looking at what is this teaching me yeah. eternally? All right. yes, sir. 
when you can start looking at your life and say, Lord, I'm coming to you for the lesson today. I'm struggling. I'm hurting. And in the midst of me saying, please make it stop in Jesus name. Please let it stop. God, please. What's the lesson I'm supposed to learn today? Don't miss what God is trying to teach you in the fiery trials of your faith. Learn of me. Come to me, all you labor and a heavy laden. There is something to learn that's going to sharpen you, that's going to purify you in that fire sometimes. I know I'm talking to everyone here. None, not one of you would just say that you believe that being a Christian just guarantees everything goes your way. There's not a, a, a you know, it doesn't rain on the days that you want to have a picnic. It doesn't have no problems. Everything just comes through so easily. But I'll tell you, we like the days that we can say, hey, guess what? God did it the easy way for me, and I'm so thankful for it. And we get used to that. And we sometimes think that's a precedent for our lives and there's not going to be trouble. And down deep inside, we say sometimes our testimony, God's got it in control and he's, it's going to be all right. But in our hearts, we're kind of with John saying, why not? Why, why couldn't he just kept that storm away this time? Tough times will teach you. There's a lesson to be learned. There's a lesson to be learned in the trial. That's when you do need to come to him and say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to lead me in? And if you're honest and humble enough, sometimes he'll take you back to something that he told you. Say, hey, listen, I told you I'm trying to perfect you. You're my child. You know what it says about the children that he loves in the book of Hebrews? He chastens them. He chastens them. He, he, he takes them and corrects them and says, hey, here's, here's what I want you to learn. John was in the prison cell. John was was feeling all the feelings and thinking all the thoughts that that a natural man or woman would think and feel in that kind of situation. But he said, go talk to Jesus. Go talk to Jesus. I can't get to him, but somebody, I need to hear what he has to say. God will help you learn in his in your trial. There's something about that fiery trial that can work in you that nothing else can. And, but in that, listen, there is value. In that, the Bible talks about the refining fires. That you can be more valuable to the kingdom of God. That you can have an experience through the hard times, the trials. I think it's, uh, it, it, it's not just, just sad. It, 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 it it breaks my heart and even sometimes angers me to think some of the, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm all about, I, I believe in a good attitude. I believe it matters. But when, when you have ministries based on just positive thinking and you realize there's people that are going through some really hard trials that, that tears are appropriate. Amen. And questions aren't to be criticized, but that you can bring strength and compassion in those things rather than, oh, you know what? Let me teach you about your attitude. No, sometimes we have to have a book like Lamentations in our lives to get through because weeping may endure for the night, but joy will come in the morning. But there is a teaching process that only can happen sometimes through those fiery trials. Can we bow our heads in prayer, please? He said, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. When you're going through the battle, I'm going to help you pray. When you're feeling the pressure, maybe feeling the the trial, I want to be there for you to, to pray, God, get him out of this battle. Get him out of this storm, Lord. But I want to remind you, sometimes there's a lesson to be learned. Learn of me, he said. Be humble. Realize maybe every one of us here still has something to learn. I get fearful sometimes when people kind of park their belief system into a certain flavor of Christianity. And the Bible can't just be the Bible anymore and tell them, hey, here's what repentance means. Here's how to be born again. Here's how to to learn and to grow. Here's how God wants us to worship, how He wants us to conduct our lives. The Bible needs to still be His voice, His will, His truth in our lives. Where are those like Apollos that even though he was a man eloquent in the scriptures and he he was found preaching Jesus, but who was it? Aquila and Priscilla that came unto him and said, you know what? Love your fire, love your zeal, you're such a good speaker, but let us expound unto you the way of God more perfectly. Apollos didn't get all offended and say, how dare you try to tell me about the Bible, huh? No, he 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 received it. Oh God, I wanna I wanna be taught. I wanna learn. I wanna grow. I wanna be more like Jesus than ever before. I think if we can be humble and be honest, we got some things to learn. We just take some time, find a place to pray. Churches, altars open if you want to come. Just say, Lord, teach me today. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through. Somebody going through a trial. Somebody going through a test. Lord, teach me. Lead me, God. Help me to be better husband, a better wife, a better friend.
God would lead you, teach you. Lord, I want to be a disciple. I want to be, I want to learn. I want to grow. humble enough to hear you leading us every day, teaching us. Lord, thank you for this day, this service, God. I ask you to go with each one. Bless each one, Lord. Keep us safe as we travel, Lord. We just want you to work through us, shine through us, Lord. Ultimately, Lord, that you receive all the glory. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen, amen. God bless you, church.